Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. A look today at, firstly, the 100, because of course it was the final on Saturday, which I was at and I really enjoyed actually, uh, both the women's and the men's final. And uh, I've been sort of keeping an eye on the tournament overall as well and I have some thoughts about it. And also uh, we should mention today that the Cricketer magazine, the new issue, the August issue, which we sometimes call the summer issue, is out uh, has been out since the weekend. And I think the, the importance of this particular issue is that it really covers the breadth of cricket. So on the front cover, we have heart and soul, and we have a picture of Jasper Bumrah bowling in a test match. We have someone playing in a Royal London game. We have a village cricketer playing up in the North York Moors, and we have uh, a woman playing in the hundreds. So we've really covered the breadth of the game, which we've always tried to do actually at the Cricketer Magazine. But I think this month, we've really exceeded it. And we'll tell you how to subscribe to The Cricketer later. There is a, a special offer going on. And I, I'm very pleased to say we have the managing editor of The Cricketer with us today, Hugh Turberville, who, Hugh, you, 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 you've had sort of mixed feelings, I suppose, about The 100. We'll talk about the magazine in a bit. But um, I, I suppose, I mean, I've always been a sort of, I suppose I've championed The 100 a bit because I've seen the experience of the IPL and the success of that. And I've always felt that having eight city-based teams was a good idea to concentrate the talent. But obviously you, understandably, have misgivings about it because you're a, a diehard county fan and you see the damage or possible damage it could, have, it could be uh, creating on the county game. Morning. Yeah, hi. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I I and James Coyne, actually, I think all three of us saw the need for a sort of eight-team concentrated talent tournament, didn't we? Uh, I just thought there were less destructive, cheaper ways of going about it than having to pay off the counties 1.3 million every year. Um, I thought they could have been taken on the journey better. In the end, actually, there was an attempt to sort of make things smoother wasn't there um they were completely sort of left out of the process to start with and then they were brought back in by the ecb and people like say hugh morris at glamorgan are actually involved in the organization of the welsh fire 
team. But yeah, I just think uh, it, it was a very expensive way of going about it, really. I think there are much cheaper ways of of doing it. Um, I think the whole thing cost 70 million, didn't it? And, you know, if you work out 1.3 million times 18, it's 23 million a year. I think they could have just combined, say, Surrey and Kent, told them to get on with it, create their own team. Or they could have had an eight-team top flight with a 10-team lower division. And I know the problems with that, that you, you'd you have better players in Division 2 sometimes, or you'd have some of the inferior stadiums, you know, with it with poorer playing surfaces in the top flight. But, you know, there'd be ways of, of tinkering with it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm rambling on now. But well, I'm, no, I it's fine to ramble it. on. I mean, in a way, it proves yeah. how difficult it is to to resolve this kind of issue because, uh, you know, there are so many stakeholders and so many uh, invested parties that you have to try and satisfy. And in fact, I, I remember saying to Tom Harrison when he first took over as uh, chief executive of the ECB, be warned, Tom, you'll never be able to satisfy everybody. You know, there'll always be people moaning, complaining, suggesting other things. Um, and, yeah. and, and you just can't satisfy everyone. So you, in a way, sometimes you just have to go with your own hunches, which yeah. I mean, obviously, well, well-considered hunches and try and, and find a solution or, or some kind of remedy to ultimately sustain a game, which is, which is unsustainable. I mean, county cricket, fact, we, we know these facts. We've seen the budgets and then the, the spreadsheets of all these counties. Um, you know, counties don't make money. And unless you find a way of making county cricket more sustainable, it's difficult to see how you can continue with 18 counties, who most of whom lose money all the time. So th- this was Tom's strategy, you know, with, with others to, to raise significant broadcast income, extra broadcast income from a new tournament and, and ultimately channel some of that money back into the counties to help them survive, you know, a few years. And then it's sort of up to them, I suppose. And hopefully this tournament will generate more income so you're quite right the expenditure has been massive and I and funnily enough I spoke to Tony Singh the commercial officer of the ECB the other day he said oh you know you mustn't just say that if you spend loads of money on marketing it's going to be a success because you can spend completely the wrong money on marketing and and it isn't a success so we feel vindicated that we have um, got got the marketing right here and the focus has been on trying to make this tournament successful and I would say, you know, just one thing uh, that being at the final and and just sort of experiencing it, especially the men's, but also the women's actually as well, the standard of cricket was exceptional. You know, you got four 90 mile an hour bowlers in the men's final. You got batsmen, you know, hitting the ball. Somebody, Tim David, uh, hit the ball at of Australian hit the ball over the score box at Lords uh, in the mound stand and into the road. I mean, I've only ever seen that once ever happened before in, in like 40 years of cricket at Lords. So, you know, and the, the quality of the fielding, you know, this is absolutely outstanding. So it really has. And, and I mean that for the women's game as well. There was some really good bowling and batting. The fielding was slightly less good actually than women's final, but the, the batting and bowling was, was really outstanding in places. And, it really does concentrate the talent and it makes you watch the game. And Mark Nicholas and I, Mark is the chairman of the uh, Southern Braves team. And we were watching this, a spell of play in the second innings of the final when Moen Alley and Liam Livingston were taking on the pace of George Garton and Chris Jordan and Timel Mills and 
the spin of Jake Lintott. And they were hitting the ball miles and the ball was flying through to the keeper when they missed it. And the fielding was absolutely dynamic. And we said, this is some of the most brilliant cricket, spell of cricket we've ever seen, you know, 15 minutes worth. Well, obviously you want a bit more than 15 minutes to, to satisfy your, your appetite, but it was stunning cricket. And anyway, I, 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 you know, challenge anybody who saw that to say that cricket is not an exciting sport. So, you know, there, there have been things that have worked really well. And I can see a future in which more, you know, if, if it continues on its path and, the, you know, there are issues, obviously, to sort out. But if it continues on its path, I can see it generating more income through both broadcast revenue and also hopefully private investment and even more money to help the counties who are the people who produce these players. Okay, well, I'll take your point. Um, so I, I will concede that, I mean, you've got, you can't fail to have good cricket when you've got an eight-team concentrated format like that. Um, and they're dipping in and out and taking players out of the county game. So, mm. yeah, it, it's got to be good, isn't it? If you like T20, it's got to be a good form of sort of T20. You know, I agree that the, the spinners, of the spin attack of the Trent Rockets or the pace attack of Southern Brave, yeah, enticing, you know, very good, very good. Um I just think there's, a, you know, I don't, I didn't see the need for a hundred ball format. I, you mm. know, play mm. from twenty. That's the world format. I, I, I didn't see the point. I, the ECB mm -hmm. say they're going to sell it, don't they? To, mm -hmm. I haven't heard of any takers so far. I, I thought it was unnecessary, to be honest. Yeah, fair point. Um, yeah, um, it, it's been tremendously alienating for county fans. It got a ter terrible launch, didn't it? Which they never really recovered from. Mm. I, I think, that, I think the danger is, is Richard Osman, a pointless articulated so well in the, in the magazine now the kids are gonna gonna want every, those players now playing all the forms so there's a clear and present danger to the counties clear and present danger i i, I can see though that um i've, I've got anecdotal and first-hand evidence of interest from people who wouldn't normally be interested my son and his friends were keen to go to a game they wouldn't really be scrambling scrabbling to go to a blast game mm. um people have told me that they've seen people kids wearing a london spirit shirt um a colleague has told me that his son wants a trent rocket shirt never expressed an interest in a nottinghamshire shirt <laughs> so yeah I, I i agree that there's interest it is does seem to be reaching the parts other formats haven't reached or other long established sides cannot reach sad I, I, I i'm frightened for my beloved sussex or essex or what have you but um yeah the genie's out of the bottle now I mean, you know, I, I see, I completely hear your um, your fear, if you like. And I think the, the point you make there about that that it's it, it's created interest amongst people who wouldn't wouldn't have been interested before. That is a key thing because you know cricket is not in state schools very much. It's not on terrestrial TV very much, and it's just gone out of the national consciousness. And this tournament partly through its enormous marketing spend and promotion has raised awareness about cricket and what it's really done is shown that cricket to a younger generation can be seen as sort of almost cool instead of cricket being seen amongst the younger generation rightly or wrongly as being a bit anachronistic or you know sort of boring or even un unintelligible kind of you can't understand it, incomprehensible and alienating i think this 
format has has been inclusive and encouraging people to take an interest and watch and it's colorful and it's you know it's bright and vibrant and the, the skills are incredible and you know there's a bit of music that you can sort of in, enjoy as well uh, i know some people that don't hate the music fine but the, in this sort of format of the game i think it elevates it and it just adds something i like it personally and i'm a traditionalist you know i love test cricket that's my favorite format of the game by miles but I love the way that this sort of it's just it's just added a bit of an ingredient to cricket to make it look cool and exciting, which a lot of the, you know, my kids age group, your kids age group um, don't see. You know, I mean, my son who does play cricket, 18 year old, you know, most of his mates aren't remotely interested, but some of them have, have sort of perked up and said, oh, yeah, actually, this looks quite good. If you can get 20 percent of those people who weren't interested in cricket before at all to sit to think, well, yeah, actually, I might have a go or I might um you know go to a game or something that's that's effectively hoping you know swelling the, the support base of the game which ultimately should benefit the game so I suppose that's the that's the bottom line is how do you get more people interested well this is one way of doing it yeah I hear what you're and saying son and, and obviously you don't what you don't want to do is alienate the people already interested which I know there was well, a yeah. danger of, of that happening well they have done that well they have done that yeah I mean they could spend the money promoting a, an alternative tournament that wouldn't have cost so much. Yeah. Um, that's the argument, isn't it? I mean, I, I did take your point about Tom Harrison when you said about, you know, you, you're never going to win. It's, it's a fair point. Uh, I was thinking, he, you know, he did very well to get the BBC back at the negotiating table to be part of this deal with Sky 2020 to 2024. Um, and then I felt the need to criticise him the other day because there's no test matches on the BBC. You know, even one test match. Uh, the Lord's Test or something, that'd be a yeah. week TV event, wouldn't it? The Lord's Test or like Wimbledon, you know, like the Open mm. used to be before yeah. they lost yeah. it to Sky. So no test cricket until 2024 on the BBC or any terrestrial, disappointing. So mm. he, did, he did well, he did really well to get the BBC back on board after 20 years of sort of uh, sulking, am I allowed to say that? About yeah. losing losing. Well, the you no, you are allowed to say that. And listen, I mean, I think the BBC are, are pretty fickle, you know? They'll kind of grab stuff if it looks, suits them, but they're not into you know helping out anybody, and that they'll drop stuff as, as soon as they'll pick up stuff if it doesn't work for them. So yeah. you know they just see Test cricket as a, a sort of a, bit, a, a very difficult thing to schedule actually because nobody knows how long it's going to last. You know you lose time for bad light and rain and all that, and it just you know sort of it pisses people off in the end. The broadcasters, but you know wrongly or rightly, it a lot of that the modern broadcasters just find test cricket annoying because it doesn't deliver the audience they're hoping for. And there are moments of absolute brilliance and drama, but they're so uh, sort of spread out and interspersed with periods where you're staring at a blank ground because nobody's playing, that they just, they just won't do it. And it, it, well, it's very expensive to cover as well. I sky like it because it fills the cricket yeah. channel dedicated. Yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. A test cricket absolutely needs to address the problem with over rates and the problem mm. with going off because there's a light splattering of rain. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree completely. Agree with that. But I mean, as yeah, I'm same as you. I mean, I, there's nothing more compelling. Just to have it on sometimes in the background when you're working, it's just so wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, I think that was great about what what was actually good about the hundred was the fact it was on every day. Look, I I I love the fact that it was there was cricket on every night. You knew if you switched on either BBC or Sky. 
uh, at six six thirty or even four thirty because of the women's games, you knew there was cricket on for a month. And well, I, that's it great. Was on Sky, you know? but, it yeah, was on Sky but mostly, was, but uh, I, yeah, mean, did, it, I mean, was there enough on the BBC? No, okay, not, the, not nearly first, enough. The first night, Oval Invincibles v Birmingham, I think. No, Manchester, Manchester. Um, yeah. The Manchester originals, yeah. Uh, Thursday night, so it was on, and and I've got a group of, I mean, a group WhatsApp group with a load of local people. Ma- mainly, they love football. We all love football. I'm the only sort of cricket aficionado, really. Maybe another one who subscribes to the magazine. But anyway, there's seven of us, and we talked about that first night. And, the, and my friend's a Man City fan. He was saying, oh, you know, all oh, the Manchester originals. Why are they called that? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, after that. The momentum was lost. There wasn't another game on the BBC until the Sunday afternoon. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're coming, you're tuning in every night. Oh, mm. I'm going to watch it on BBC tonight, and it's not on again until another week. Yeah, and so that's I'm, what I mean about them being fixed. Is that maybe hypercritical? You know, mm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Am I being unfair to Tom? No, I, not at all. Not at all. You know, they'll say, "Well, we've got you know lots of other things to cram in here, and you know we haven't got the space." But well, there wasn't much. Week. There wasn't. There didn't seem to be much. Uh, uh, coherence to the BBC's way they showed it, really. Although it was great to have them on board, and they yeah. put in you know plenty of effort when they had it, and obviously it was on on the radio all the time. But um, you do want a bit yeah, more commitment, right. really. I'd say that's a that's a fair criticism. Um, Chris I mean, Green, yeah, Chris sorry. I, I had several car journeys. Um, I quite enjoyed listening to it on the radio. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, t- certainly, I'm just looking actually just purely on the stats here, um, men and women and so on. Um, Liam Livingstone, <laughs> an outstanding success, and he has to be a, a shoe-in for the England T20 World Cup team. I mean, he's... Actually, we, we said, Mark Nicholas and I said, that he's got a swagger like Viv Richards when he walks around. And at the moment, it's justified because he hits the ball oh. incredible distances and very consistently. And he is a, a real... He will be a real threat in that tournament, I reckon. Yep, yep. And uh, Alex Hales provided some yeah. helpful moments. He did. He did. And he actually only made 185 runs in the end, but, you know, good strike rate and obviously got uh, teams off to a rapid start. P- pace bowling was pretty much to the fore. Um, the top wicket taker, Adam Milne, impressive fast bowler from New Zealand, um, who, who just lit up the final, actually, with his aggressive fast bowling. And I, I must admit, I really enjoyed uh, the women's, some of the bowling in that women's final. Um, the, the bowling of Cap, for instance, you know, swinging the ball and, and the quick bowler, Ishmael as well, um, who, who was playing for uh, Oval Invincibles. I mean, that was whizzing through bowling, uh, uh, I reckon, close to um, 80 miles an hour. You know, she was really yeah. good. So Marianne Cap took 11 wickets, swung the ball late. Um, there were some quite good spinners on show. Obviously, Sophie Eccleston, they're the best, but you know, others as well. Um, I thought some of the, I mean, actually, in the final, the, the women's final, there were some brilliant ramp shots and, you know, superb lofted drives by girls coming in at seven and eight. So it's really raised the standards of the women's game and the aspirations tremendously, which is, which is really good to see. It is really good to see um, that um, and and bumper crowds for women's games and yeah. you know obviously mm. you've got to you know some of them will come obviously coming in to watch the men and then they, they thought well we'll go early to watch the women and, and what they liked what they saw uh, is that reason enough to continue the men's tournament you know the fact that it's given the women's game a, a, a boost 
you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I mean, people like you, and it's obviously clearly enthused by the hundred, and lots of people supporting it and saying it should carry on anyway. But what I'm saying is, if it comes to the crunch, you know, it's really nice that it gave the women's game a boost, but they might, I don't know, they might have to think: is it reason enough to sustain it in itself? I, I don't know. Well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's happened in the Big Bash, hasn't it? Where originally they were double headers, and then now the Big Bash, the women's Big Bash, is a separate tournament, and there is talk already about. The, the women's hundred being a separate tournament. I mean, they certainly piggybacked on the back of the men um, crowds wise this year and playing in the big stadiums, I think was also great for them playing on, you know, decent pitches and, you know, with, with, with proper kind of facilities and everything rather than having sometimes to play on outgrounds. Uh, so, yeah. so that was, was a really good move. And uh, I, I think um, that, that, you know, this is, this is here to stay for three or four years at least because, oh, you know, that's what the, the tournament um, deal was and the, the broadcast deal. So, you know, we, we, we're going to have this. But one thing I think is really important is that we continue with proper cricket. And I say proper cricket, you know, first, first class cricket at the same time, because the English test team has really suffered uh, as a result of there being no first class cricket in the height of summer. So I personally would love to see county championship cricket played throughout the, the, the summer and uh, you know at the same time as the 100 and you know maybe if they even start at 10 30 in you know july july and august and so they're finished by 5 36 which is a perfect lead-in to the 100 which comes after you know somewhere else on a different stadium and you can watch both one on mm, telly and one and one and one in person and i think hopefully that would satisfy a a lot of the disillusioned members who feel they've got no proper cricket to watch, apart from a bit of Royal London. And secondly, um, you know, it helped the test team with guys who need to, to make runs or wicket, take wickets to get into the side because, you know, Paul, Paul Dominic Sibley, Zach Crawley, people like that who've been jettisoned from the test team, we've got nowhere to play. Or nothing, nothing yeah, substantial to need, play in. It needs some Red Bull cricket, definitely. Um, mm. The trouble is, though, that will fans accept a depleted squad? Will... Kent, except that their championship side is missing mm. eleven players, or, yeah. or, or sorry, yeah. missing nine players. Is that are they going to accept that? I mean, I, I saw Daniel Gidney suggesting maybe tongue in cheek that it should, you know, should have an under twenty three section of the county championship, which I don't agree with. Um, that, that's devaluing that old classic, wonderful old competition. So I, I don't agree with that. I don't know. Maybe a mixture of, of fifty over and championship, mm-hmm. but you yeah. need some liberal cricket. And the ECB's come under a lot of fire. For not having enough Red Bull cricket in the build-up to this India Test series, Test haven't series. they? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Michael was pretty strong on, on Tom Harrison on on Sky. Um, so the cricketer, actually, we're going to look at. We're going to keep a very close eye on the fixture list next next summer. Yeah, we did we it before to. with with our blueprint issue, but um, a couple of years ago, didn't we? Uh, but uh, yeah, it, we can't have another fixture list like this. I know Tom Harrison said that about it's about COVID and so so on, but. Um, we cannot let people like Mark Wood and Josh Butler go into a test match against India ill-equipped, unprepared. Mm. Reminds me of what Jeffrey Howe said about Mrs. Thatcher sort of breaking the bat before they went into bat with the European Union or whatever. <laughs> oh, poor, <laughs> Josh, poor Josh Butler, first innings yeah. in that yeah. in the first test. At Bridge. I mean, he was all at sea, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Just one other thing on the hundred. Um, there, there has been talk about or a mooted idea 
to um to to in in future amalgamate the points from both men's and women's matches you know so if the oval invincibles win a game the men's team they get two points and uh, uh the women's win a game then get two points and they add them together and that that helps to qualify teams for the final in fact we discussed uh the, the, the that in my my kids were discussing that but then we were wondering whether half the points for each opposite gender franchise went towards the the other teams so you know if the oval invincibles men get two points one of those points goes to the women's invincibles as well and vice versa so that you, you get a sort of co a combined tally in the end which determines which teams get into the playoffs what, what do you think of that <laughs> not a particular fan of that. I not, just, not a fan of that. You're, okay. you're, taking, you're detracting from the cricketing excellence, aren't you? You're making it gimmicky, aren't you? Yeah, uh, fair know. enough. Okay. That's, I'm old. I mean, I'm old and stuff. But I mean, Matthew Engel came up with an idea a few years ago about amalgamating all the points for the championship 50 over and, and T20, I think, having a champion county. I, I didn't really like that then. I think, I don't know. Surely the 100 is a, it, it's about entertainment, I know, but it's about fine-tuning and improving England's players, isn't it, for, for mm. tournaments like the World Cup and so on? Yeah, uh, well, so in, in which case, you know, I think I think that, that certainly the 100 will have worked for that. And I'm just going to leave you with, with one little parting image, actually, uh, from, from the 100 final. And that was, um, I was in uh, one of the boxes in the mound stand. I was looking towards the Allen stand, which, of course, is named after Gubby Allen, who was the famous... Mm. England cricketer, captain of England, chairman of selectors, and general sort of eminence grease and rather terrifying presence in the mm -hmm. pavilion. When I first played for Middlesex, actually had a house behind the pavilion. He was the sort of he had his own entry into the pavilion. He was he almost felt like he owned the place actually, and he was one who didn't want to stand built at the far end because it obscured the the trees and he was very, he was an absolute stickler for dress and you know behaviour and deportment and everything. And uh, I just thought, I wonder what he thinks of um, the big screen in the Allen stand, which is next to the pavilion, showing uh, DJs at the far end playing uh, that uh, famous 10cc song, I Don't Like Cricket, I Love It, you know, uh, which is great. I mean, it came over very well on the ground, but I wonder what Gubby in his, uh, you know, it would have made him turn in his grave, I think. Yeah. Thinking yeah. that the big screen in his stand was showing DJs at Lords playing a 10cc song, and they were female DJs as well. So yeah. uh, that's a parting image of, of, the, of the final. But I thought it was a wonderful occasion, actually. And the fireworks actually worked, which they didn't in the 1999 World Cup final. Mm. Uh, and I just thought it was a tremendous occasion and a great advert for the game, actually, in the end. And the, and the skill levels were off the chart. Well, we can say that as long as we don't say that it's the best time at Lords ever, and it, and 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 you know that the height that it's had over during the few weeks is the best match ever, the best cricket ever, the best occasion at Lords ever. We can say it's good, but you know there have been other wonderful occasions at Lords, and we don't have to overhype it. That's that's the message, surely, to some of the the commentary team. But just quick one back on your on your point about the the women and the men combining. I mean, what happens say if Southern Brave the men had dominated the tournament, but the women hadn't done very well. I mean, they'd be devastated, wouldn't they, if, if the That's points true. combined? No, fair point. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. jettison that idea. And, oh, well, and I, I, take your, I take your criticism of um, the, the commentary as well. I think but, but our fi final message about the 100 is 
too much hyperbole, really. Let the viewers decide for themselves. Okay, as I said at the start, the, the new issue of the Cricketer Magazine out uh, at the weekend, the August issue, with a, a an interesting cover, actually, which uh, very cleverly designed by our graphic designer, Jeff Barton, who's done sterling work over the over the year, year and a half he's been with us, or probably a bit more than that now. Uh, it's, it's almost striped, the cover, with four images, one from a test match, one from a, a Royal London County game, one from a club match, and one from... 100 women's game so it's multicolored and really multifaceted as well i just like the way hugh that we've you know and it, it was you, you're partly your inspiration to to cover every kind of format of the game and and show the breadth of cricket in england yes yeah, so when simon you told us that you were going to the north york moors for a cricket tour and we knew that duncan hamilton was going to be our star guest writer and we knew that Vic Marks wanted to write about counter cricket this month that sort of eclectic package was building up wasn't it so we we all came to the conclusion that we, we access all areas you know we could we could look at the game at uh, all levels really and and you you were going to go to the heart and soul of the game in on the moors and um saw some wonderful sort of uh, recreational scenes didn't you yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah, no, 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 I, no, I was very privileged to to feel, you know, you do kind of get get back to the grassroots at times. And actually, it's it's a humbling experience to see the way clubs survive and players' enthusiasm is maintained, you know, in kind of all sorts of adverse situations. Club, clubs and villages find ways of sustaining their their grounds and their pavilions and and obviously their 11s as well because you know not easy getting players these days and people moving away from the area and having other commitments and stuff so i mean just to see that that uh, that kind of level of commitment and enthusiasm really and actually skill as well i mean i, I said on, on one of my earlier podcasts i think recently that i was hit for the biggest six i think i've ever been hit for by uh, a water worker uh, who, who was playing for the uh, when Wensley, I mean, he was playing for one of the clubs in in that area, and he hit me over a road and into a field, and it took us about ten minutes to get the ball back. And you know, just to see that kind of uh, enjoyment of the game actually uh, was great. But I, you know, Paul Edwards, brilliant writer, writing about uh, county cricket in Sedba uh, as a sort of antidote to the hundred was a was a really lovely piece showing the kind of tranquility and the soothing nature as well as the skill levels of of county cricket yeah definitely he, lo he loves it there doesn't he? he he had to go back for second helpings after a taste of it um a year or two before uh duncan hamilton's writing about cult heroes isn't he and um centering on luke fletcher mm. but also saying that he reminds him of barry stead yes of, uh, of your North no he was not yeah, yeah. So no, I remember um, him. He a little kind of left arm, sort of little tight left arm tiger, uh, faster bowler and and sort of late order batsman. Real kind of stalwart of North Hans for many years. Yeah. So yeah, that's um that that's a lovely essay, isn't it, by him? So um, we've got some lovely writing in this magazine. We've got uh, yeah. Tanya all talking about the umpire Sue Redfern, who's become a bit of a cult hero in her house with her kids and so forth. And a bit of a scoop, you got Tom Sam Mendes on board, didn't you? The Oscar-winning director. 
Yeah. Well, yes, um, I've been trying to get him for years, actually, to to do something for the mag because he's a, he's a cricket nut. You know, he's at every mm. Lords Test match and loves playing. Has played at Lords himself in Village Cup finals, and oh, he's just an absolute enthusiast yeah. for for the game. Loves it, knows it really well. I've I've actually bowled to him in his personally constructed net at his mm. uh, house in Burford, and uh, he couldn't, couldn't get him out of the net. Mike, Michael Atherton mm. and I were bowling to him for probably half an hour I and mean, he was absolutely loving it and we, we had to in the end we had to sort of oh, basically bounce him and beam him a few times otherwise he would have been there for another hour so he he's written a, about Viv Richards and his his sort of yeah. love of the West Indians from that era and uh he's, he's quite a lyrical writer actually he's, he's writing a, mo- a movie at the moment and you know I should imagine that's going to be brilliant because he's just got great imagination and actually it comes over in his piece I think I love I love American Beauty and I love um mm. I love the cinematography of Skyfall. Yeah, I think the plot and, plot, yeah. plot was a bit, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but the beautiful stuff up in in Scotland when and when That's Daniel right. Craig protecting Judy Dench and well he's not actually protecting he she gets killed in the end which the the, the plot was a bit flawed there but anyway I I, I digress. But no, 1917 was an amazing film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean to to film you know one scene. Yeah, you know, with one sh- camera shot and the, the way it was done, kind of the whole Brilliant. film is just meant to be one one shot, isn't it? Almost so it's yeah, one, yeah. one flowing flowing sequence. It's a brilliant idea. So um, you know, it's yeah, great to have him. Uh, great to have him in the magazine. I'll tell you what, what. One person I quite enjoyed interviewing was Dinesh Kartik, who I think has mm. made real waves actually on um, commentary. He's one person Pretty you good. don't need to tell him about too much hyperbole because he's very balanced i think he, he gets it he gets the tempo and the uh the, the sort of um levels of excitement of a match and and i think reflects that really well and gives lots of interesting insights into into players and very observant um a real enthusiast you know he's not there for show he's there because he cares actually he loves cricket so much yeah. and actually quite a lot of you know i i there aren't enough commentators like that you know some commentators are sort of got there because of who they are but someone like that he's just he he wanted to do it he wanted to and he's learned so much about about the game from being a commentator for a few months as well he says so he may come back as a better player in the next bit of the IPL he seized his chance hasn't he absolutely uh he, he said he, in your interview he said that he didn't he wasn't sure whether to do it with Sky because he didn't want people to think that he had packed up as a player but yeah. uh he absolutely embraced his chance hasn't he Mm. And and the, the other one, I, I, the other interview that I quite enjoyed, and I, I know it's partly because I did it, but uh, Ali Brown, who uh, I don't know, we've sort of been trying to get for a while, the the guy who holds the record for uh, the highest score in an A uh, list A match, two hundred and sixty eight for Surrey against Glamorgan in two thousand and two, and I just like his attitude to cricket. Um, fearlessness is something that he always. Uh, believed in and took his chance uh, you know was a very chancy player took risks but often came off and should have played more than his 16 one day internationals but England just didn't have the attitude that he had at the time they were a more safety first approach in, in ODIs so he kept getting picked and getting dropped again and and he he's a great fan of the the current regime Owen Morgan and you know others and the way that they play the game now with the fearlessness and the lack of blame culture encouraging players to play their way uh, he was an early coach of Jason Roy and no doubt had a, had an influence on on his own 
uh, approach. So he's our whatever happened to uh, character in this month's mag, and whatever happened to him? Well, he's now, uh, and I think you you mentioned this originally. He's now um, uh, presents a, a show for Racing Post on Greyhound Racing. <laughs> so he's really yeah, diversified. Definitely, that's really funny, isn't it? He does that. Um, yeah, the Greyhound track at Wimbledon is no more, of course, but um... yes, that's right. Yeah, his nearest track is now Hove, where um, right. they still they still run. Greyhound racing is struggling. They need their own hundred, don't they, Simon? <laughs> they need their own hundred, and we have covered the hundred, of course, in the mag with you know two balanced pieces, um, one sort of fairly positive and one slightly more negative. So you know we've tried to cover the whole gamut of of English cricket in this month's magazine. Uh, it's out, as I said, last friday and uh, there's a special offer at the moment on the cricketer mag uh which is 19 pounds 21 it's in our centenary year so the reason why it's 19 pounds 21 for six issues is because 1921 was our founding year uh, and if you go to uh https if you go to www.shop.thecricketer.com slash sub offer slash centenary i'll post this on twitter as well so www.shop.thecricketer.com and then shop offer. Sorry, I'll say that again. www.shop.thecricketer.com slash sub offer slash centenary. A little bit of a, a mouthful. Uh, you can get onto that £19.21 for six issues offer. And I hope you will subscribe because... We're working hard to make it interesting every month, aren't we, Hugh? Absolutely. We do. We have. We have. We have. We have yeah. And we've got Lots a great team and a real pipeline. bunch of brilliant writers. So join our club, and I think you will find you're enriched in your knowledge of cricket. Decent 11, isn't it? With you and George DeBell and Vic Marks and Mike Brearley and Tanya Aldred and Mike Selby. Yeah. And you. Pretty good. And you're Googly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. So um, get into it. Um, please subscribe to the Cricketer Mag. Uh, Simon Mann and I will be back to uh, review the first day, of course, of the next test match. Starts on Wednesday at Headingley. Uh, very excited uh, set up there with a couple of new faces in the England team, potentially um, with Hasib Hamid potentially promoted to open and maybe a, a debut for Saqib Mahmood as well. So, uh, an interesting prospect for the Headingley Test, and as I say, we'll be we'll be there reviewing Thursday's play on Wednesday night. In the meantime, Hugh, thanks very much for your time and, and a brilliant effort on this month's mag, and thanks everyone for listening. Podcast Network.